Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Evening Thoughts. Here on this show, we talk about faith, life, death, and the beyond. My name is Sam, and I'm the host of this podcast. Whether you are a new listener or a returning listener, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in tonight. I hope that this podcast can be encouraging to you, and if it is, then would you share this podcast with someone you know? That would mean so much to me. Tonight's episode will be a little different because it's not so much a reflection, it is actually a sermon. Not that I had set out to preach to you, but about once a month, my pastor at my church asks me to preach, and so this week just happens to be my turn to uh, give the sermon for this Sunday. So I worked on this content uh, all week and didn't have enough time to prepare content for this podcast. So uh, I hope that you don't mind that this episode will be a little different. Um, I was actually almost going to skip releasing an episode uh, for this weekend, uh, but I thought, hey, why not? Why not just release this sermon? And if it blesses you, then it is worth it. So Uh, Please don't be afraid to skip this episode as it is a little different than uh, my other ones. But I hope that if you do choose to tune in, that it will be a blessing and that it can help you to grow spiritually mature for this new year. The book of 1 John is about Christian living. John is concerned about you and I not only talking the talk, but also walking the walk. We must commit to the Christian life and not just go halfway. We are called to go all in. You see, John is absolutely clear about his message in this book. He is a verbal heavyweight, and he doesn't pull his punches. John tells you what you must do, and if you don't do it as a Christian, then he calls you a liar. John wants us to know that there is no middle ground. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in God's kingdom. Either we are for God or against Him. And so as Christians, we have an obligation to keep God's commands. We're called to love our neighbors. We're called to walk in the light. And if we sin, then we are called to confess. If we claim to be Christians, then there should be fruit. People around us should be able to observe and see tangible evidence of our faith. We show it in our doctrine, we show it in our behavior, and we show it in our relationships. And as I read God's Word, often I find that it is like a surgeon's scalpel and he uses it to perform heart surgery on me. At times, it can hurt because we're faced with our own sin and His words are very piercing, are they not? It can be weighty. And there may have been some in the original audience that John was writing to who may have been like me. And they may have said something like, Boy, I'm missing the mark. Or I'm dropping the ball. As a genuine believer, they may have seen their failures and may have become discouraged. And John, being the pastor he is, has already seen this coming. And so when he gets to this part of his letter, he calls a training timeout. 
Today's passage is much like a pause for John to remind his original audience and for us today to remember the never-ending and always true beliefs about who God is and who he says we are in him. And the truth is that there is not one of us who has a leg up on another person. There is not one of us more deserving of God's grace more than someone else. We are not perfect. We don't always obey God's word perfectly. And we have some issues, don't we? I know that I have some issues that I'm working on. And so if you find that you feel out of place at church or feel like some are better than you, please know that at the foot of the cross, we are all equal in our need of his love and grace every single day. So yes, let us spur one another to higher standards. Let us challenge each other for deeper growth. But let us also keep reminding one another and assuring each other of the never-ending, always-abounding grace of God. Yes, we will fall and we will fail, but His love is there to catch us and bring us back up. We need to be reminded of this constantly because we are forgetful people. With that said, let us read our passage for today. Would you turn with me to 1 John chapter 2? verses 12 through 14. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. The Word of God says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the world. This ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray. God, as we look now into your word, teach us to grow. Teach us to cultivate in our hearts Christ-likeness. Help us to mature in our understanding of you and who you say we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Immediately, one of the things that I notice about our text this morning is the use of the words little children, young men, and fathers. There are several commentaries that I researched this week about to whom John is referring, and I think the most simple way to explain this for our sake is to look around our church and notice that there are babies Our church is blessed with beautiful babies, and I love it. Our church has also young people, those who are in their teens or pretty close to that age. Our church also has young men and women, those who are in their early to mid-twenties. Our church also has seasoned older men and women with graying and white hair. I'll tell you, it is a beautiful sight to see. I think a healthy church has believers of all different age and physical maturity. And I love to see older men mentoring younger men. And I love seeing older women mentoring younger women. Young people need older believers to mentor and love on them. But John means more than just the age of someone. He is looking at more than just physical maturity. He is also looking at spiritual maturity. Some of you are relatively new believers as you came to know Jesus not too long ago. You are a baby in your faith, almost like a newborn. 
You're getting stronger, but still an infant in your faith. Then there are those who are young Christians. You've been a Christian for a while, and you're growing and learning more every day. Then we have those who are spiritually mature. You have been tested. You have been knocked down and gotten back up, and you are still in the game. You're still running the good race and running towards the goal. And so just as the church needs people of different stages of physical development, we also need varying degrees of spiritual development as well. What stage of spiritual growth are you in? Would you take stock of your faith journey right now? Think of where you were a year ago. I encourage you to keep growing and maturing in your faith this new year. With that in mind, today's sermon is entitled, The Assurance of Your Faith. I have three headings to help move us along our passage. Number one, the assurance of forgiveness. Number two, the assurance that you've overcome the evil one. And number three, the assurance of knowing Jesus. Let's get into our first heading, the assurance of forgiveness. Verse 12 says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. John is most likely in his 90s when he wrote this letter. And so when he calls this church little children, he's not being dismissive or condescending. In fact, everyone was like a child in faith to his eyes, and little children is a term of endearment. When you speak to your parents, do they have nicknames for you? I am 40 years old, and when I visit home, my mom still calls me her puppy. In Korean, she says, Kangaji. Kangaji is puppy in Korean, and as a 40-year-old, she still calls me that. And John is doing something very similar here. Little children refers to every believer in that church, and it actually describes believers for all time. Little children are those that are born-again believers, and John wants to assure these believers that no matter where you are in your faith maturity, we never graduate from our need to be reminded of this foundational truth. No matter how spiritual mature you are, you will fail. You will make mistakes and we will all sin. And even though he has given us the charge that every true Christian obeys God and wants to do what God has instructed us to do, we will not do it perfectly. We need to be assured of this morning, don't we? Your sins have been once and for all forgiven at the foot of the cross. Over time, hearing this over and over again, we may get used to this, but may we never stop reminding ourselves of it because we are still sinners. Yes, our sins have been laid upon Jesus and on the cross. Jesus bore all of our sin, but we are still sinners. We are redeemed sinners. Was it because we earned it? Was it because we were impressive? Not at all. Apart from Christ, we're all rebellious in our depravity. Left alone to our own devices, we would never have pursued God if it were not for Him wooing us and drawing us near. If He had not first loved us, we would never have first loved Him. We are truly wretched sinners. One of my favorite hymns is Amazing Grace, and the first line goes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound! that saved a wretch like me. And we need to understand that about us. Let us look away 
from ourselves and focus our eyes on the one who deserves full praise and honor. Verse 12 says that he did this for his name's sake. His name be glorified in his name alone for this undeserving favor. May this never get old to us. May we never get used to this. May we never get callous to a king who gave his life for his servants. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of all of our sins. He died so that you would be free. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. You may say, what about when I did that one terrible thing? All of it. And you may say, what about what I did this weekend? All of it. What about my future sins? All of it. For the rest of your days, John wants us to assure us of this today. This is not a license for us to live our lives however we want. Rather, it should humble us. It should bring us to our knees and our prayer should be that we would run far away from anything that would harm our relationship with His loving and gracious Savior who took our sins on Himself. We need to protect the joy of our salvation at all costs. If we understand this truly, let it encourage us to live pure lives. Let us fight for our joy. Let's move on to our second point, the assurance that you've overcome the evil one. Verse 13 says, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. When John says fathers, he is referring to fathers in the spiritual sense. These are men and women who have been tested in the wilderness. You've traveled through the storms of life, and your hands continue to be lifted up in worship. You have lost loved ones and friends over the years, and yet you still choose to find hope and life in Jesus. You've battled temptation and have overcome and come out victorious. You have matured in your faith over the years. You've studied doctrine and theology, and although you may not have all the answers, your faith has deepened and grown in trust. Your knees are worn out by prayer. You've wrestled with your doubts. You've known spiritual warfare. You know spiritual discipline, and you practice it regularly. You've saturated yourself in God's Word, and it is tattooed on your heart. Through the years, you have grown in your understanding of the gospel and of your identity in Him. This is why John says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. There is something so powerful about a seasoned man of God. There is nothing quite like a seasoned woman of God. I just want to be around them. I just want to learn from them and just get a gold nugget of truth from them. And our church has that in abundance. I am thankful for seasoned men and women who have loved me through their years. If you are a seasoned believer, would you keep mentoring young people? Because that's whom John refers to when he says young men in verse 13. These are young believers who are still youthful in their faith. Let us commit ourselves to discipling young people. Let us pour into them because they need us to help them grow in their faith. Love them through their stubbornness. Be patient with them in their slow progress. But keep loving them because it is to these young believers that John says, you have overcome the evil one. That is how he describes them. Now, that is a bold claim, isn't it? 
especially when there are days when we don't feel that at all. Some of us have been wrestling with and battling a specific sin for years, and although we've made progress, we still don't feel as if it is totally gone from our lives. But we need to be reminded that once we were dead in our sin and transgressions, once we were under the bondage of our sin, it had dominion over us, it entangled everything about us, but in Christ we are no longer slaves to sin. We are free to fight sin now. As you know, spiritually dead people cannot fight sin. But in Christ, you are brought to life, and now your heart beats for Jesus. Whereas before your sin didn't bother you at all, now when you do sin, it digs deep within your conscience and eats away at you. Why does that happen? Because the bondage of sin has been broken. Some days your progress may seem so small, but there is growth happening within you, because God is faithful and He is sanctifying you. In Christ, we are delivered from the penalty of death. In Christ, we are free from the bondage and dominion from our sin. And as a young believer, you might lose heart and become discouraged. But my brothers and sisters, don't give up. Keep killing sin in your life. Older believers know that your efforts will not be in vain because this truth is for all believers, and they've been there. It is always about Jesus for all of us and what He has done for us because we know Him. This brings me to my last heading, the assurance of knowing Jesus. Verse 14 says, I write to you fathers because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. John is in part writing this to warn this church about false teachers who were claiming heretical beliefs about Jesus. If you ever want to know how to tell if a group or an organization is heretical, look at what they think of Jesus. If you, if you ever wonder what makes a cult a cult, look at what they think of Jesus. Because most often than not, they will question or doubt his pre-existence or his divinity. And John is saying to those who are mature in faith and to young believers, keep God's word abiding in you. Don't steer away from the word of God as it is our best defense against heresy. In this church that John is writing to, the false teachers were teaching something in contradiction to scripture, and he wants to emphasize the foundational truth of Jesus in his preeminence. We have seen John do this before. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'll never forget when I was in seminary, I had a conversation with a Jehovah's Witness who claimed that John chapter 1 verse 1 said, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. You see, the New World Translation of the Bible put an article where it had no business being. And so the Jehovah's Witnesses would read that same verse and they would think that Jesus was only a small g, small God. And so they thought that they could attain that same divine status. And in this church that John is writing to, there were some who were saying similar things about Jesus. And so he's saying, no, no, that's not right. Those who are mature in their faith and strong young believers know that Jesus was from the beginning of beginnings. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus existed. 
Before all things were created, Jesus existed because Jesus is the second person of the Trinity and he is God. That is the only Jesus there is. All true believers know this. They know this Jesus, and this should be our aim. No matter where we land in our spiritual development, whether you're young in your faith, whether you're a young person growing in your faith and getting stronger, or you are a seasoned believer, let us never depart from knowing Jesus. Know Jesus deeply in your mind and love and know Jesus deeply in your heart. Let me end with this. We've talked about many things today. We've talked about babies in faith. We've talked about young believers in faith. And we've talked about mature believers in faith. So I have some questions for you. Where do you stand today? Are you growing in your spiritual maturity? Where would you say your growth is? And how much have you grown in your spiritual life compared to a year ago? It is so vital that as Christians, we take stock of our growth. This new year, how would you like to grow and in which areas of your faith? Question number two, what things are keeping you from growing? What childish ways do you need to leave behind? Question number three, are you overcoming the evil one today? Is God's word abiding in you every day? Are you reading his word and daily soaking in the truth? Let me end with this. You will fail and I will fail. We can't do this with our own effort. When we fall, let us fall into the arms of our gracious and merciful God. In the daily grind, in the daily fight, He grows you. Pray that the Holy Spirit continues to grow in your heart, grow your mind, and grow your faith. Know that Jesus is our greatest example of spiritual maturity, but He's not only our example, He's our great Savior. And so when you fail and when you fall and when I fall, He loves us. He is for us. And he is cheering for us. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your faithfulness in growing us and changing us to be more like you. Wherever we may find ourselves this evening, would you keep helping us to grow? Help us to be reminded today of your forgiveness. Help us to be reminded today that you've delivered us from our former nature and we are no longer under the bondage of sin. And God, help us to know who you are and to love you deeply every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that is it for me this evening. I thank you for letting me preach my sermon to you as I prepare to preach this tomorrow. I hope that it was a blessing to you and that it was helpful. Have a good rest of your weekend and like always, peace and blessings. Good night.